Hi, my name is Seth Gross, and you're listening to the 919 Podcast. Listening to the 919 Podcast, the only podcast all about the over 1.5 million people transforming the triangle. I'm your host, John Carter. I talk a lot about food on the 919 Podcast. I have a series where we feature restaurants in the area, but it's not often that we have restaurant owners join themselves. Uh, Last year, if you were listening to the show at the time, we heard from Patrick Woodson, owner of Brewery Bavana. And today you'll hear from another successful restauranteur, Seth Gross. So if you live in or visit Durham often, you have likely heard of, driven by, or even eaten at Bull City Burger and Brewery or Pompieri Pizza. But today, you'll hear the backstory of both of these restaurants, as well as the owner himself. Seth and I recorded below Pompieri Pizza in his office, so if there is any background noise, it might be because his staff was busy getting ready for the lunch rush upstairs. All that being said, I hope you enjoy our discussion. On to my talk with Seth Gross. Okay, I'm here with Seth Gross, owner of Bull City Burger and Brewery and Pompieri Pizza. Seth, thanks for being on the 919 Podcast. Great to be here. So tell me about yourself. How did you arrive in the Triangle and what kept you here? Wow, that's a, that's a long <laughs> convoluted story. I don't know too many people in the Triangle that are actually from the Triangle area, but I'm one of those people where I grew up in the north in the uh, Boston area, uh, went to college in the south in Florida, but that was too hot and Boston was too cold. I graduated <laughs> from the University of Florida and went to school, cooking school in Hyde Park, New York. And that was too cold. Then I went to Arizona and that was too hot. So I went to <laughs> Chicago and I was cooking there and then learned to brew beer there. And that was too cold. And eventually I came to North Carolina because it was sort of halfway between hot and cold. Very good. And uh, so you grew up in Boston, and would you say that's where your passion for food began? Yeah, definitely. Um, growing up in a family with food, of uh, we had delis and uh, ice cream stores, and because it was so cold, you needed just more cold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, um, ice cream interesting sells whether it's hot or cold. So uh, <laughs> you, people always wondered if sales were bad in the in the winter. But our family had uh, three different stores, and I think like. Farmers, you know, you have your kids so that you have labor. And my dad, when I got old enough, which was around 12, said, you're coming to work. And so I did. And he gave me a great work ethic, and uh, I enjoyed it. I was one of the few kids at a young age that had some pocket money, which was great. I could buy, you know, baseball cards and and things like that. So um, it ended up that um, I really loved cooking, decided to go work at a real full-scale restaurant. I started out dishwashing. Eventually, chef took me under his wing, really inspired me came home and said to my parents, I'm going to cooking school, I'm not going to college. And they said, over our dead bodies, there is no way you're going to spend your life in restaurants. So I got my college degree actually in in microbiology and cell science. And two weeks after I graduated, I started at the the Culinary Institute of America, the CIA in Hyde Park, New York. So you're in the CIA? Yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, talking about Florida, um, 
surely they had a culinary arts degree or something like that, but you chose to do, um, what University, was it, mi- micro? Uh, yeah, I went to microbiology and cell science. I don't know. They might have had a culinary degree there. I don't remember. But your parents just were like, no, no yeah, way you're doing yeah, that. Yeah, I was set on, I was, I was going to the CIA, and gotcha. I wanted to go out of high school, but I'm glad, actually, that they made me go to college. I mean, so have you found that your that degree has helped you um, yeah, being a restauranteur? A- absolutely. So the way I look at it is this. So... Cooking is one of these things, it's a, it's a cross between a trade and art, the military. I mean, it sort of combines elements of all those things. And you can learn to be a great chef by working for great chefs and being a journey person where you go and you, you do stages and spend a year here, two years there and work your way up and you can amass an amazing amount of information. You can also go to cooking school and kind of shorten some of that process. But in the end, if you really want to go somewhere, you still got to work for people. So either way, you're going to end up working for a lot of folks, and cooking school is pretty expensive. The best thing about working being at the CIA is that it has opened doors for me. It allowed me to get into restaurants. So I worked in restaurants that were very, very fine dining, uh, but even with a cooking degree, I was basically peeling potatoes. But it got me in the door, and that's really right. one of the best things about having that degree. Awesome. And I was even curious about the uh, microbiology degree uh, mm-hmm. from University of Florida. So right. has that helped you? Or? You know, funny thing <laughs> is I thought I would never use the degree. I was going to go to medical school if I couldn't get into cooking school. And, uh, and so the funny thing is I thought, okay, I'm going to cooking school, so I'll never need this information. But then I got into brewing beer professionally in Chicago. Right. And suddenly I'm looking at yeast and using microscopes and doing cell counts. And <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm actually using my college degree now. This is great. Uh, so that was kind of a, a fun thing. So you thought maybe you'd be a like a brewery, I don't know, a brewerist. I don't know what you'd say, but you brewery. thought you thought yeah. you'd be a brewer and have your own brewery, or did you well, want to do restaurant? I wanted too? to, but yeah, I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to own a brew pub. I always wanted to own a brew mm-hmm. pub because then I got to do beer and you know make food as well. Um, you know, there's a thing called the entrepreneurial myth, and if anybody out there is thinking about starting a business, it's important that you know that. When you start your own business, eventually you will never do what it is you love, right? Because you've got to <laughs> do payroll and advertising and hiring and all of those things. And podcasts so, and yeah. yeah all so that I stuff. don't I don't get to cook burgers or pizza much. Uh, I've got amazing people who do that now. Um, in fact, I try to get in the kitchen and several they don't let me in anymore. They're like we don't need <laughs> you. So, and I still I still mash in just about every single beer. You can count on one hand in eight years the, the number of beers I've missed uh, starting. But I start every single beer uh, six thirty in the morning. We mash in. Um, so I, I want to be have a hand in those things. But I, I I knew I wanted to brew and I knew I wanted to make food because I love to work with my hands and I like to create. Love it or hate it, at least I can say I made this and. You know, I get to say that this is our take on it. It's our version. It's something that we created. Yeah. So after you went to Culinary Institute of America, you came to Chapel Hill, and you were sommelier, right? Uh, yeah. Some well, more wine. I actually I came uh, to to carry first. They had you know back then there was amazing marketing online about how great it was. You moved. There still you, is. Yeah. You're in your twenties, <laughs> and you move from downtown Chicago to Cary, North Carolina. That was a serious wake-up call. That was like, <laughs> I'm used to getting out of work at one in the morning and saying, what do you want to eat? You know, sushi, Italian, What we'd go out and you go to Cary and boy, you know, it, that was 25 years ago. 
it closed down at nine o'clock and I didn't have a minivan. I didn't have kids or anything like that. So as soon as my lease ended, I got out of there and, and came, you know, West or excuse me. Yeah. West and, uh, came to the Durham Chapel Hill area. So yeah, I was a sommelier at the Siena hotel. I was the first really dedicated sommelier for the hotel. They had people working the wine, but I was brought in to be part of a five star program that, or five diamond program. They wanted to get their fifth diamond, um, and so they assembled sort of a team of people to, to do that. And so I was one of those and had a, a fantastic time there. Really learned a lot, expanded the wine program, uh, really got into bringing a beautiful collection of Italian wines that really put the Siena Hotel on the map for that. Wow. Yeah. And did you make the jump immediately from starting a restaurant from being a sommelier or did, was there some no, I, step? I really caught the wine bug. So I was cooking for a while, brewing for a while, then got into this world of beverage and wine has been really good to me. I cannot ever say that, uh, you know, I wasn't treated well. I've traveled all over the world with wine. Uh, I've gone to vineyards and restaurants and, and it gave me this great exposure, but being in beverage, I loved the, the sommelier thing, but eventually I wanted to continue to grow. I was only doing Italian wines at the Siena, so I ended up working for Whole Foods and running a wine department for them. Wow. And this was the Chapel Hill store. So it was my first time ever working in retail that way, and it was it was quite shocking. Again, it was a real juxtaposition because I'm used to selling really high-end wine. And my first day there, you know, someone was asking about a $10 Chardonnay, and I, I said to them, and very honestly, I can't tell you much about that wine. I've never tried it. But I made it a point very quickly to taste as many wines yeah. as I could. And, That's uh, a good goal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so um, I actually was able to, uh, to build that wine department on. Uh, back in those days, it was competing with the Southern Season. And there had a wonderful wine department. And so we were able to really hang with them as far as uh, you know, quality of wines, what we were offering. Um, by the time I left there, we were offering First Growth Bordeaux, Italian, Super Tuscans, everything. Wow all the way down to those $8, $10 wines as well, which um, then took me to opening wine authorities with a business partner. And uh, so that was a retail wine store here in Durham and did very, very well with that. And I sold my share to my business partner so I could open Bull City Burger and Brewery. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was so curious because starting a restaurant so much risk and you have to have some money to start it. So yeah. that you had started with the money you had gotten sort of not exactly it was um when you work in wine you meet people with money so it allowed me to meet folks who had the money to back and me be really it. good friends with them right so. right well that's great so uh you opened bull city burger and brewery yes and that seemed like a risky investment at the time or i mean because you know, the food scene when when was yeah, that the so food scene wasn't really what it was yeah, we're, today we're eight years old this month so that was congrats, 2011 congrats. thank you so 2011 and back then I think we were roughly restaurant number 10 to open downtown. That's what people tell me and seems about right. But um, so, you know, some folks had paved the way for us. We opened here on Parish Street. It's about a block and a half north of Deepak. And you can see it from the corner, right? Mm. I, I never looked at it as a risk. I always was confident. But everybody was telling me how risky to A, be in Durham, B, downtown Durham, and C, you're not on Main Street, you know, you're, you're a, a little off the beaten path. I mean, mm -hmm. today, you look at it and think, this isn't even close to being off the beaten path because the city has grown so much. But back then, everybody told me I would fail. And I just thought, there's no way. First, I wasn't reinventing the wheel. We were doing hamburgers, right, right. and beer. 
So I figured, you know, at the very least, I'm doing food that people like. It wasn't like I was trying to bring, you know, Nouvelle uh, Viking food to Durham or something, right? Like, yes. Who knows their Viking <laughs> cuisine? So burgers, beer, I wasn't reinventing the wheel. But we did have a new take on it and that we were going to be the, the first brew pub to open in quite a while in downtown Durham. Mm. Uh, we're now the oldest surviving brew pub in Durham. Wow. And, um, and so we were making solid beers at that time it was about making great stouts and porters and pilsners and you know i've i've been i've lived through two rise and falls of craft beer and sort of we're in the second renaissance now and there's so many breweries and now to stand out you've got to make some really strange exotic beers let's say you know uh, you know the double kiwi sun-dried tomato banana pepper oregano bourbon is that something IP. you make no not at all because <laughs> i want to try but it. <laughs> yeah these are like what people are doing now but back then if you made a really good pilsner and pale ale and that's what we're known for i mean we're we're accused for making really drinkable beer and i'm okay with that you know that's what we do it's beer i want you to drink yeah. it um so so making those beers and doing burgers didn't seem really risky to me but gotcha. uh, hopefully we've proven some of those doubters wrong eight years later well, tell me about the restaurant in general to people who aren't familiar with it. I mean, what, what else differentiates you besides um, good food? Yeah, there, so there's some real key things to the restaurant. First of all, we are 100% dedicated to pasture-raised meats. We, uh, that means that like, all of our beef is raised in North Carolina within about two hours of the restaurant. And all of that meat is no hormone added and, and no antibiotic at all. I won't let my kids eat corn-fed beef. I will not eat it. I won't let our employees eat it, you know, in their restaurant. I will close Bull City before we'll allow corn-fed beef. I feel that strongly about it. On wow. Saturdays, I do food tours, and it's called the, the Beef Sermon, and I'm really passionate. Um, so it's really dedicated to pasture-raised beef, pork, you know, any meat that we bring in. And then secondly, we make everything. And a lot of restaurants boast how they make everything from scratch. But I'm, I'm hardcore about it. You know, we do things the long, hard, stupid way. We make mayonnaise. We make the mustard. We make the pickles, the relish, sauerkraut, buns, bacon, hot dogs, pound cake, Worcestershire sauce, sriracha, barbecue. I mean, everything you eat in our restaurant is literally made in those four walls. How do you how do, you do that? I mean, yeah. do you have a farm off-site? Or? We work with local farmers. We source as much as is possible and reasonable mm-hmm. is how I put it. Not everything has to be organic, but it ha- we have to know how it's produced and that it is raised in a sustainable way without chemicals and pesticides and things like that. But we don't require organic certification. Um, but it's really about knowing where our food is sourced. So if, if you come in and eat, lettuce is being grown in Durham for our burgers. And that farmer comes in and hand delivers that lettuce to us um, mm. several times a week. You know, when the cucumbers, they're grown in North Carolina. We don't have tomatoes in January. They're mealy, they're crunchy. Uh, that's where we take a real stand to try to educate our customers and say, yes, I know you can get a tomato. <laughs> 365 days a year in America. Uh-huh. That's like we are so used to having corn all year round or uh-huh. whatever we want, but that's not how food grows. Mm. And I couldn't tell you the number of times people say, well, I went to Whole Foods and got tomatoes <laughs> today. And you said, did you notice that they're being flown in from California or Chile right. or you know Israel You know, produce? Like, yeah, we could put zucchini on pizza for you right now, but it's being flown in halfway around the world. I'd rather wait until we can get local zucchini in the mm. summer. It tastes better. It's more sustainable. And so that's really something that sets us apart. Um, so, so everything's made in the restaurant except for ketchup. We just couldn't keep up with the ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, we really make everything. Ah, uh, there it is. Okay. Um, and then last last year, you won uh, the restaurant won North Carolina Small Business. Is yeah, that right? Small so, Business of the Year. Well, tell me about that. I mean, that's a it was quite a like surprise. A yeah, we were nominated and and very honored to be nominated and uh, and then. 
you know, they don't tell you. You have to go to the 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 luncheon kind of thing, and they have all the nominees there. And you know, I uh, I got a call a couple months earlier. A uh, photographer said, "Yeah, we're coming in to do a, you know a photo shoot for the magazine. All of the finalists are going to be in there." I thought, oh, "Okay," and then and then there were follow up interviews, and I thought, "Wow, this is, they're putting a lot of effort into someone who hasn't won." And I said, Are "You sure we didn't?" And they said, "Well, we we're we're interviewing everybody," and they I think they genuinely were, and so uh, we showed up, and um, and then they announced that we won you know small business of the year, and not is, just restaurants. I mean, no, this is, this is small business. I mean, the the other the other businesses were like cleaning companies and tech firms wow. and, and things like that. So it was quite an honor. That's a, that's very, a big deal. I'm very flattered, very humbled. So you've, you've opened up a couple other restaurants, or at least one other restaurant mm-hmm. uh, that yep. we're sitting beneath uh, right now. Right. So um, tell me about uh, Pompery uh, Pizza. Yeah, so uh, we're located in Durham's original fire station. So it was built in 1890. This, this building was constructed. And, you know, I had horses pulling water wagons back in the day and then steam-powered fire trucks and then gasoline. And the history is amazing. And then, so when I got ready to open Bull City Burger, I had essentially two business plans. One was for burgers and beer, and the other was for pizza because I learned in college you can live on pizza, burgers, and beer. I figured Correct, yeah. I can't go wrong here. And um, I, I decided since Durham didn't have a brew pub, I would do that first. And as soon as that child was sort of up and walking, I was able three years in to start Pompieri Pizza. And so Pompieri is Italian for firemen. Um, it's in the fire station. It's you know, the plural for firefighters. And so the, um, the pizza really focuses on wood-fired Neapolitan-style pizza. And so one of the challenges that we face there is if I say, hey, let's go out for pizza, you immediately have an image in your mind of what pizza is because you grew up with deep dish or thick or thin or New York style or Sicilian or, you know, whatever, pineapple and ham. You're making me hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I love pizza, but we do a thin crust wood-fired pizza that has sparse toppings and there's burning and charring on the edges. And there are people come in and we tell them that. And you bring out this 12-inch, which is pretty small pizza, and they say, what is this? I was expecting New York cheesy mushroom pepperoni pizza, uh-huh. and we say, that's New York style, right? Yeah. And we try to get something that makes them happy, but this is one of the challenges. And so we, we put a lot into trying to explain what we do, and when people give it a chance, it is amazing because you know, the, the Italians are all into their crust. They're into their pasta. We tend to look at pasta as a vehicle for sauce, and crust is a vehicle for toppings in America. Just like, you know, I want one tortilla chip and I'm going to dip it in as much guacamole as I can shovel. Of course. In Italy, <laughs> it's the opposite. It's all about the crust and the toppings are secondary. So they're very, very sparse on the pizza because the dough is so good. And when people approach it that way, they are wowed by our pizza. That's awesome. So with owning two restaurants, uh, I'm sure you're involved in other, other things in the area as well. But do you feel like you're responsible and at least some degree to the food scene today uh, in Durham. A- absolutely, yeah. I, I'm very proud to be a part of Durham's food scene. I think I think last count I heard we're over 80 restaurants in, in the downtown area alone. Wow! And, and so, and and Durham is really being known now for being a, such a foodie town, a foodie city. You know, um, that's one of our claims to fame is what sets Durham apart. And so, I'm very proud to say that that Bull City Burger and Brewery is a thread in the fabric of Durham. Pompey area is now five years old, and now we're getting there too. And we are two staple restaurants. They're in the heart of downtown. Um, I'm very fortunate. They're very popular restaurants. We are very busy. I'm extremely proud. I've got about 75 employees now between the two. I consider us to be a, a pretty solid employer for the downtown. We're the only two certified B Corp 
restaurants in the state of North Carolina. So this is benefit corporations, the yeah, B Corp yeah. movement. Bull City was the first restaurant in the state, first brew pub in the world. And Pompieri Pizza is the second, and we're still the only two. And that's the first. In North Carolina? In North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, there's only about 16. It might be up to 18 now. I haven't looked recently. But last year when I was looking at how many restaurants, there's only about 16. Now, there's, there's over 2,000 in the world now, which is great. But that's in the world, right? we got 50 million companies in the U.S., so we have a long way to go. And if folks aren't familiar with B Corporations, this is about people, planet, profit. It's a triple bottom line. Instead of just measuring your success on profit, I give up profit every day to take care of people first. That's our employees and the, the community, the people who eat in our restaurants. Planet is second. Everything we're doing is, uh, these are some of the most sustainable restaurants in the country. When you look at the way we source food, the way all of our uh, waste streams go out, uh, lighting, energy use, water, everything, storm water, we, we're into all of that. First gold certified restaurants in, first gold businesses in Durham. We just recently got gold certification from the city of Durham for our sustainability. Wow. Um, and then uh, after people and planet, yeah, we got to make a profit. I, I don't know anybody giving us grants for making hamburgers yet, but that's how we pay for work shoes for our employees, gym memberships, bicycles, retirement plan we have. Um, on your work anniversary, you get a birthday or an anniversary cake. It's got a $100 bill in the middle of it. And every employee gets that on their work anniversary. So wow. we're trying that's to make great. it a better place to work than just the job until I get a job. Right. That's really cool. Um, so let's talk more about... Bull City Burger and Brewery. One of the reasons we're recording today is because uh, Exotic Meat Month is right around the it's corner. Coming up, yeah. Uh, if you didn't know, you've actually this restaurant's been featured on the Nine One Nine podcast before. We had a I didn't we know had that. a dinner. I'll show you later. We had yeah. a dinner movie episode, um, and we talked about restaurants in the area, uh-huh. and this is one of them. So we ta- um, Megan talked about um, Exotic Meat Month. So I want I want you to talk about it. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to come this year. Last year mm-hmm. I kind of I missed the boat, but. Yeah, talk to me about what that means for the restaurants. So we've been doing Exotic Meat Month, uh, I think, six years, maybe seven years now. I can't remember. But it started with this idea of I was talking to some customers. They were eating uh, our veggie burgers. And I was just talking to them, and they were from India. And they were talking about how they don't eat meat or they don't eat beef, you know. And and, uh, it was a very nice conversation, and they were just explaining the religion and and what have you. And I started thinking about that and just – Wow, you know, not everybody eats beef. Not everybody eats a hamburger. What do other people eat around the world? Like, what's normal to them that we would think is weird? And then, you know, started researching that and said, well, can we get some kangaroo? Can we get some iguana? Can we get, you know, and so one thing led to another. And I said, okay, one month a year, we're just going to feature interesting meats that are enjoyed by other cultures that maybe seem weird here and really celebrate the diversity of burgers around the world, if you will. And we try to match up the sauces with that. When we do the alligator burger, you know, we're doing like a Creole sauce on there and, mm. and different things like that. And, we, I mean, we have camel. We're gonna, this year we're gonna, we decided we're going to serve camel on Wednesdays because it's hump day, right? So hump day. we're going to try to get camel uh, every Wednesday or at least until it runs out. And so we, um, we, we feature these meats to really educate people. Uh, I'll tell you that um, it started out, in, I mean, right out of the gate it was busy. And last year it exploded for some reason because we do we do bugs on burgers. The first year we did that, um, I received more hate mail than I have hate ever mail? hate mail. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how dare I, Peter yeah, got after you, you for killing bugs? Or? No, it was more like your restaurant is gross. You're putting bugs on burgers. I will never eat there again. I'm going to tell all my friends never to eat there. Okay. Now this was food grade. <laughs> 
crickets, larvae. Like, I mean, like, we're not going out, you know, to the trash and trying to find right, like cockroaches right. or anything like that. But so we we were doing this. But then the second wave started of people saying, "I applaud you." You know, two thirds of this planet relies on bugs for their protein yeah. source, and it's a real part of a lot of people's diet. And so the bug burger came became really really uh, famous <laughs> at this point. And so we do that every year. This year we're going to do a bug chocolate bark to put on ice cream. You know, like Good. a sheet of chocolate with all the bugs in it, and you break it up. And so we're going to have it as an ice cream topping because kids want to you know get into the, right. the bug as well. But then last year it really exploded when we um, we've been doing the tarantula burger now for. I believe four years, and for some reason last year someone did a, a, a local news person did a, a Facebook live cast eating a tarantula burger, mm. and so just so you know what it is, we get tarantulas that come in. They are already baked. We don't kill anything in our restaurants. So like that was one of the. I can't believe you're killing spiders. We don't have live <laughs> cows walking around the restaurant. Okay. Um, so we got these tarantulas and we put them on top of a burger and if you can eat the whole burger and the tarantula and everything you get a t-shirt I survived the tarantula challenge and there's a lottery because we can only get about 10 to 15 of these a year Um, so this is street food in Cambodia they literally walking down the street you can get a tarantula on a stick it's fried you eat it and you know this is street food for them so I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. I mean, we've been doing it. We had done it three years straight. Last year we did it. This woman does this Facebook Live. It goes viral. And I kid you not, she did this on a Wednesday afternoon. Thursday, I knew something was going on because suddenly we started getting phone calls. Reuters News. I mean, wow. Australia, Germany, literally London Times <laughs> calling us for interviews, trying to set up You know, CNN, Fox can we come by Friday night that week, that Friday, James Comey's book had come out. We were trending ahead of James Comey, number three in the world on, on uh, media ahead of James Comey's book, the tarantula burger. Friends are calling me from all over the United States. Like I, my evening news, there's the tarantula burger like being featured. I don't know what it was. It's the only time I've ever been involved with something viral. It, it was really cool for about four or five days and then then it got like really crazy and i mean the phone wouldn't stop ringing people like threatening if i can't get one you know kind of thing um i mean we we it was a lottery to get one and they were basically gone by the time all that happened and i couldn't make people happy Um, and then this weird wave of seriously militant kind of animal rights people sure they came out of the woodworks and i don't know why they came after me for the spider when we have cows cows. every day right um but i mean it got it got really ugly and we started having to block people on facebook and shut things down oh my gosh yeah so i kind of make everyone happy but that's a bit ridiculous yeah yeah i mean it was really it was really something but I mean, it was a great experience. And so we're doing it again this year a little bit differently. I can't say right now, mm. uh, but I have I had contacted Guinness about setting a world record. And uh, if anybody out there is thinking about setting a world record, they are no longer taking food records. If it's an existing record, like um. how many hot dogs, you could try to break that. But you, they're no longer taking new food challenge type things. So we're going to try to set a record and... Um, 
and we'll see how that goes. And we'll, we'll claim a world record even if Guinness doesn't certify. Yeah, it, so. <laughs> that's right. It'll be the Durham world right. record or something like that. So when I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like the two books that you carried around in the schoolyard, one was Ripley's Believe It or Not, and the other was Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, of they course. Were so cool. Yeah. We made Ripley's Believe It or Not. We have it oh, hanging in the in the for the Trenchler for the Trenchler burger. But it's funny because. Were you the first in the world to do this? I mean, I don't know. Presumably. To put it on a burger, maybe. Yeah. I have no idea. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. really cool. It's really. Um, man, well, I'm excited. I need to enter that lottery uh, as, <laughs> as yeah. a P, but that's really cool. Um, trying to think of anything else. Uh, that's for the month of March. That's mm-hmm. a good thing to point out. And um, yeah, I guess any other words of wisdom for people that are new to the triangle or maybe have lived here a while, but uh, you know, just starting to branch out new restaurants, what, what would you give them as far as advice, uh, you know, where to explore, yeah. how to explore? What I what I would say to people is, you know, come on down to downtown Durham. Um, one of the things I love about the city is that we have so many independent restaurants. You know, when, when folks are traveling, I'm always amazed that when they tell me, oh, well, we were traveling, so we ate at Chipotle or something. It's like, well, that's a safe bet, I guess, but try to get the flavor of the city. And if you're not sure, kind of find out, like, who's the cool restaurant, and then go talk to those folks. Say, hey, we're in town for, for a weekend. We're going to eat at your restaurant. And, like, where do you eat? And that's one of my favorite things to do because when you do that, they're the folks who are going to go, oh, knock on the door, you know, say the secret password, go in the alley and like, you'll have the best burritos of your life. Or, you know, those kinds of little things like the best cocktails in town is this bartender mm. over at this place. Mm-hmm. And that's what Durham is kind of all about. There's, you can't really go wrong, but we have so many great independent restaurants that you can come here and have a true culinary adventure. I mean, you can eat and drink your way around the city and not visit any chains and have something different every single meal because we have such diversity here. That's cool. And I'm, I'm laughing because you said Chipotle. That's exactly, you know, my wife and I just got from, back from Nevada. And you ate a Chipotle. We, we definitely, <laughs> that's sorry. just our go-to. No, that's funny. <laughs> um, but we, we did branch out. We good, went to good. plenty of, um, you know, local restaurants. But right. yeah, we did. <laughs> we, that's our guilty pleasure. Like, oh, Chipotle, sure. So, yeah. uh, that's just funny. That you, it's that's, a popular restaurant. That's the one you mentioned. Yeah. So, um, Anything else about the triangle? What's your favorite thing to do in the triangle if you're not, um, you know, uh, running the restaurant oh, man so i don't i don't actually get it to go out to eat much beyond durham because i'm always quickly grabbing a meal plus we we have three young kids they're finally getting a little older <laughs> so we can we can my wife and i can start to go out a little bit more but um i don't know i don't i don't really have well a, even if it's not a restaurant um any, any spot you like to go to hiking um a museum in the area um Wow, you're just a busy so, guy. So, I, so, so. I, I am a busy guy. I mean, we've done a lot of that stuff. I mean, I, yeah. I love we go to love the Museum of Life and Science. It's great for the kids, and I love the Nasher here in Durham. And then we go to Raleigh to go to the Museum of Art there, mm-hmm. and uh, have good friends there, and, and you know, great times. Um, we go hiking on the um, is it Okanichi Mountain right here, and uh, just toward Hillsboro. Ooh, I should know that. But yeah, I, don't I mean, know, I don't know great because you can bring your dog on a leash, and we mm-hmm. go with the kids, and we do that stuff. Um, having young kids, we basically live at different pools in the area in the summer, and there's a lot of that going to all the different slides and water parks and things. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, yeah, that's cool. that's fun. I'm really into pinball. Pinball. So okay. Any good places, pinball spots? Places that have good pinball, I'm interested in. So, okay. Yeah, there's a handful around. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to plug for the restaurants? Um, come. <laughs> yeah, come, come to our restaurants. Check it out. You know, we... Um, 
We have a great sandwich at Pompieri called the Zappino. It's a word I made up. Sounds like that's been in existence Zepino, for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I have a little Zappino. <laughs> uh, but it's really taking our pizza bread and baking the dough into sort of like a ciabatta-looking loaf. Yeah. And cutting it open, and then we put toppings and fillings with a little salad in there. It's really great. I think it's a super lunch item. Um, Bull City Burger, we do burgers, hot dogs, and veggie burgers and beer. So, I mean, don't come for the chicken sandwich. You're going to be really disappointed, you know. that That's what we do. But we really, everything we do is about quality over quantity. And that's mm. how we've just approached things. And so, you know, folks come in and, see, like, they, they get disappointed. You don't have nachos or wings. And I say, no, but here's what we do. And, you know, give it a try. And inevitably they come up to you and say, man, those are the best pickle chips I've ever had and the best burger I've ever had. And, yeah. you know, thanks for that. Um, just don't don't go to restaurants with preconceived kind of notions. Mm. You say like, what do you do, and then embrace what they do and mm. try it. You know, I think that that's really uh, good advice when you go out to eat. That's cool. Well, we'll end on that. Seth, thanks so much for taking time out of your it's busy schedule and uh, for being on the Nine One podcast. It's a pleasure. That was Seth Gross talking about his restaurants in Durham. So maybe this is your first time listening to the 919 podcast. If so, there are a couple ways to get involved. Number one, subscribe on iTunes and give a five-star rating if you like the pod. And two, follow on social media at the 919 podcast. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you'll get regular updates, sneak peeks, and more. And if you listen regularly, you know what I'm about to say next. Make it your goal to tell one person about this podcast so they can hear all the cool things happening in the triangle. You all are awesome, and as always, thanks for listening.